Yo, 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 yo. Hey. Hey, how you doing? Good. I'm doing well. Okay, okay. So this is the Nameless Times podcast I'm here with. This is Carol Rodriguez, a.k.a. Carol Cake. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Carol, so uh, I wanted to start by, you know, getting some more background information on you, you know, your history, you know, your career, and, you know, obviously you have different elements to you and what you do, so. Um, let's start with, you know, athletics. Like, uh, can you tell, you know, listeners a little bit about your, you know, athletic background? So, um, I'm a track and field athlete. I've been competing my entire life. And um, for me, you know, um, I always ran. I'm a sprinter. I did the 100, 200, 400. Wow. And um, I grew up here in L.A., California, SoCal. And... Um, Let's see. I've been running. I ran in high school. I ran in college at USC. I ran oh, as a professional. I competed in two Olympics, multiple world championship games, Pan American games all over the world. I got my passport oh, at 17 and and there you have it. I've been all that's over crazy. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. You know, USC is a hard school to get into. Was there like how did you get to USC? Yes, it was. So when I was in high school, I started getting recruited as a sophomore. Wow. Uh, okay. I ended up finishing the top 15 freshmen in the freshmen uh, in California. So coming into my sophomore year, I started getting recruited. Um, the first school I got recruited by was Vanderbilt. And then from, yeah, right. <laughs> and then from there on, I got recruited by every school. So by the time I got to my senior year, I was number three in the nation. And um Pretty much from there, like, uh, I took my trips going into my senior year. I visited UCLA as an official trip. I visited USC. I visited University of Texas, LSU, and Penn State. Wow. And, okay. yeah, so I ended up choosing USC because, for me, you know, that was the best fit as far as, like, athletics and mm -hmm. academics, you know? Um it was a really hard school to get into. I will say they don't play about your grades. No. <laughs> um, it was crazy. No. My senior year, I had got really sick. My senior year, I got into a bad car accident. I totaled my car. And mm. then I ended up getting sick shortly afterwards. So I remember I was in um, AP Calculus Statistics. And my class, I dropped from a C to a D. And I remember the coach telling me at USC, I already had signed my letter of intent and did everything, you know. And um, mm -hmm. they told me I had to either me take that class in the summer and go to a JC or take that class in the fall to JC and start in the spring semester. And I, it was crazy because I was 18 at the time and I had made, I actually had made my first Olympic team as an 18 year old. And mm. I ended up, yeah, I ended up passing up that Olympics. And I said, you know what? I'm 18. I got plenty of time. I'm sure I'll make another Olympic team. And this was in uh, 2004, the 2004 Olympic team. And I ended up going to, uh, a JC and retaking the class and getting the A minus and then starting in the fall oh, of USC. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. About, yeah, they don't play about their grades there. How was the energy, you know, I mean, it seems, seems like you were in, onto this path very early. Kind of what, what instilled those elements or, you know, qualities within you to be, you know, be so young and so determined at, you know, at such a young age? Um, I will say at a young age, uh, I felt like I seen and I experienced a lot, you know, at a young age, um, mm -hmm. just growing up here and, 
in Southern California, LA, Long Beach, Pomona, OC, like all over. For me, it was like seeing and like just, you know, I had a lot of friends who I grew up with, you know, we were coming up together in junior high and a lot of my girls, like a lot of them didn't even make it out of junior high. A lot of them ended up getting pregnant or a lot of them ended up just ditching school. You know, I had my days when I used to ditch with them and then I stopped because I seen that the path that it led them down. One of my really good friends, she ended up like going to jail off and on. Like me and her got arrested together. Like it was, I was getting into a lot of trouble and I seen a lot of things just happening around me. And um, for me, it was like, you know, I knew that that wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted to live. I knew, you know, at an early age, I wanted to move out and have my own place and be very independent. So uh, for me, it was like, I used track, like track, like saved my life for me, you know, like yeah. it helped me, you know, with a lot. My mom, she, um, you know, she had, I have a brother and sister who are, I'm a little bit older than, so she okay. had them and she had them while I was like in junior high. And pretty much after that, like all of her life was dedicated to the twins. And so it was like me in junior high, I kind of was on my own. Like I had my mom and my stepdad and my dad there, but it was like, as far as like, you know, like, you know, I'm not getting picking up or taking to school. I'm catching the bus to school. I'm walking to school. I'm sleeping at a friend's house. I'm like, more yeah. so kind of like, yeah, at 13. So that kind of was like, okay, that kind of thrusted me into like growing up early and then taking care of my twin brother and sister seeing how like hard it was for like to take care of younger kids that kind of showed me like okay well don't mess up and get pregnant because this is what's gonna be like when <laughs> this is what's yeah. gonna be like when you get pregnant plus seeing all my other friends get pregnant and them not walking graduating them like you know so that yeah mm-hmm. that kind of like took me into a path to where like all the things around me made me wanted to succeed because I've seen so many different things happening around me so from mm-hmm. that point on um, I just, you know, I had I had a, a really good mentor, my high school coach. He came into the picture when I was in junior high. Actually, I met up with him and he helped me a lot and um, helped mentor me and um, really like take all that energy that I had and all of that craziness that I had going on. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not a wild child, but I definitely had a lot of energy. I guess you can't say I was a wild child, but <laughs> I took, he helped me take all we that all energy. We all were. <laughs> right. He helped me take all that energy and focus it into, um, into into track and field man that's brilliant you know it's so crazy it's like uh you know how sometimes you know coming up in you know certain environments could actually be a blessing it's almost like pressure makes diamonds exactly that's exactly what it was for sure for sure and it's also interesting also that you say you know you had your 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 mother your father and your stepfather but you still felt kind of, you know, you had, you're on your own. And what's so crazy is when you think about it, especially when you're like junior high to high school, usually you're, you, when you think about it, you're probably around your peers and people your age and outside more than you're actually with your actual parents day to day. Absolutely. No. 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you going, like, it's like, okay, you're in this shelter or whatever, your home with your parents and then you go outside and it's like the world is at you. You know what I mean? Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. And especially like for me, it was like, you know, like I said, my parents weren't like the type of parents that were, oh, we're going to pick you up from school or, oh, we're going to pick you up from practice. It was like, okay, I'm going to see y'all later. I'm heading out to catch right. the bus. Like, well, I catch the bus or uh, I've always been a latchkey kid. Even when I was like elementary, like I was pretty independent. Yeah. You know, my mom, before my mom divorced my dad, my mom and dad, both my mom and my, my biological father, they both worked. And so I would come home 
in elementary and I'd have, I'd come home, I'd, have, I'd be a latchkey kid. I would have lunch there. I would be at the house by myself. So I kind of, at mm, elementary, okay. I kind of was like that. So once I got to junior high, my mom remarried and, and mm-hmm. um, I have two younger siblings. It was like, she focused all her attention on them. And pretty much for me, it was like, well, shit, you on your own. Like you better, <laughs> you got to go to school. You got to find a way. You got to go to practice. You got to find a way, you know, um, right. that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. Right, right, right. I love that. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to running track and your athleticism, you know, what was, you know, when you're at USC and you were doing all of these great things, kind of what was your goal in mind? Were you like, like, what was like, what was like your main, like, oh, I'm trying to get this or I'm trying to do this when you were there? So when I got to USC, I, my goal was funny. When I got to USC, my goal wasn't to go pro because I didn't know that I could go pro, you know, I knew, Mm -hmm. you know, getting invited to compete in the Olympics as an 18 year old was like a huge, a big deal, you know, and I knew it was a huge deal, but I didn't know, like, you know, as far as like going professional in the sport was even something I could do. And so when I got to SC, I wanted to be a lawyer. That was my thing. I said, okay, you know what? I like to argue. Look. (laughs) Everybody's like, you argue, you need to be a lawyer. You like to debate. I, I love to debate. I love yeah. to debate. I was on, uh, you know, every time. When I got to SE, I found that SE, a lot of the way a lot of the classes are set up, they have it set up to where you do a lot of debating with other students. And so I, I did really well in that. Mm. And so I was looking okay. into, like, becoming a poly, political science major, taking the um, LSAT and doing all that and becoming uh, a lawyer. But then by the time, my freshman year at USC, my track, career my freshman year was kind of up and down that year because I was making a transition from high school to college and you know lifting weights and because I didn't lift Mm -hmm. weights that much in high school but the weight program and everything that was going on as far as just like being on my own living on my own going from living with my well I was living with my parents my senior year I was living with my parents in between my parents house and my friend's house my senior year I was kind of like bouncing around at that time but once I got into um SC and I was living there just being on my own like for real being on my own and trying to like um, focus and get everything together my freshman year was kind of off I ended up getting injured I ended up having Mm. um I ended up fracturing my tibia bone and it was yeah it was crazy but by the end of my freshman year I ended up running really well because I took like a lot of rehab and therapy classes and um I ended up doing really well my towards the end of my freshman year, and I made it to nationals, NCAA nationals um, on the relay team. And then my sophomore year, I remember I came back, and I did that. My sophomore year is my was my breakout year. My uh-huh. sophomore year, I ended up um, coming in second at indoor nationals and in the two hundred meter. I ended up breaking the USC record, breaking the Puerto Rican national record, and I ran the number two time in the world outdoor season I ran the number two time in the world amongst professionals as a college athlete I remember when I broke that record Uh and broke the Pac-12 record and so that was when I didn't know I that's when I knew I could go pro because that's when Nike and Adidas they started calling the coaches at USC inquiring you know was I gonna stay was I gonna leave and agents were calling and it was almost like the recruiting process all over again but in college (laughs) that's what yeah, it was crazy. That's when I knew. I said, okay, well, you know what? Maybe I can go pro. Maybe, you know, I just want to, I want to get my degree for sure. But, you know, maybe after college I can go pro. So that's when I knew. For sure. For sure. When, when, what year did you um, officially uh, leave college and everything? 
So it was funny. My sophomore year, and I ran the second time in the world, the number two time in the world. All my friends who were already professional, they called me and congratulated me. Like, you know, that's amazing. You ran the fast. Are you leaving? And everybody, like, everybody just knew I wasn't going to come back after that year. People thought I wasn't going to come back after my sophomore year and just go skip out and leave early. But for me, it was about, you know, having a degree and having something that, mm-hmm. that can't be taken away. And, you know, since I was already yeah. in school, yeah, since I was already in school, I wanted to finish. So um, I ended up leaving after I graduated. I did all four years, finished all four years. In 2008, I walked. And then um, I went to my first Olympic. I turned pro, uh, went to my first Olympics in China, came back. And then I had one more class. I had one more class to finish that first semester. And so I did the one class and then I was officially done after that. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. See, that's, I mean, that's amazing. Like you should have like a whole documentary filmed about that whole, yeah, <laughs> that whole experience with you, that. you know, <laughs> for sure. Maybe, maybe in the future we could, you know, you never know. Yeah, I'm down. Um, I know, I noticed you said uh, Puerto Rican, uh, Puerto Rico, from your perspective, you know, um, as you know, Someone, I'm guessing you're multiracial, right? Yes, I'm half. I'm half. My mom, so my mom is black. She's from New Orleans, born and raised in New Orleans, and then my uh, my dad's Puerto Rican. He's born in Puerto Rico. Nice, yeah. nice, nice, nice. Growing up, did you um, get a chance to kind of like experience, you know, both cultures in the household? Really? Yeah, in the household before my mom and dad ended up divorcing, they were together. I want to say like twelve years, and so. Um, I experienced both. Then once my dad moved out, I kind of experienced my Puerto Rican side a lot less. Um, mm. I was more so with my mom's side, like visiting like my mom's side, the culture of New Orleans, Creole food, yeah. you know, Cajun food, you know, all that. And so mm. I grew up with my mom. But then, but my dad, however, he was in the picture very heavy. But my dad was in the picture, but the rest of his family was all on the East Coast. So like. Oh, uncles course, yeah. and stuff. They were in Miami, New York. My grandma and grandpa were in Puerto Rico. I had cousins in Puerto Rico. But I, it was crazy because when I started running and I was running track and when I got to high school, I was competing for the Team USA. You know, I competed my junior year in high school. I competed on the USA team in the gen, uh, junior Pan American Games in Barbados for the USA team. But once I um, ran really fast, I had the Puerto Rican team and Team Mexico reached out to my high school college. I mean, my high school, <laughs> yeah, to my high school wow. coach and inquire because my last name is Rodriguez. They were trying to inquire, mm-hmm. like, well, is she like multiracial mixed with Mexican? Is she mixed with Puerto Rican? You know, being here in Cali, some people, like a lot of people, assumed I was half Mexican because you know we're right, here in Cali. Right, right. And so um, they were like, no, she's Puerto Rican. So then I ended up sitting down with the Puerto Rican uh, Olympic Committee. Victor, one guy named Victor Lopez and uh, Diepa, I spoke with both of them and they gave me the opportunity and said, you know, we know you represent the U.S. Um, we've seen you competing for the U.S., but, you know, if you run for Puerto Rico, you'll be able to um, you'll be able to, like, get more attention. You'll be able to mm-hmm. um, like, just experience more and be able to travel earlier. So I was like, okay, cool. So I ended up switching over and once I switched over, then it was almost like you know, but because I joined the Puerto Rican team, I then got to experience more of the Puerto Rican culture because I started yes. traveling with the Puerto Rican team and I started experiencing like, okay, I'm on the team with all Puerto Ricans and 
Uh-huh. We're here in Puerto Rico. We'll travel together. We eat the food, you know. And then at the time, my dad was still living here in the U.S. But when I would go to Puerto Rico, I would like um, meet up with some of my his friends and relatives down there, my cousins and stuff down there. And then my dad ended up moving back to Puerto Rico in 2006 with my grandma and um, taking care of her. And once I, I used to go to Puerto Rico for months at a time and and I would be down there. I visit my grandma, him. And so it was almost like once I started running to Puerto Rico, I really got to experience like that side as well, you know, and that was like about my yeah. 18 years old. So. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that seems like you've had a very interesting um, life and a lot of exposure at a, at a young age. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, thank you. When was so from you know my dad's from Los Angeles. Growing up, mm-hmm. you know I always heard so much about L.A. South Central L.A. <laughs> L.A. music, L.A. culture, et cetera, et cetera. From your perspective, you know has Los Angeles had a significant influence on you culturally? Oh yeah, absolutely. I remember even like as a kid when I was young, like elementary, my mom's best friend. Um, you know we were in Pomona and. At the yeah. time, Pomona back in the day used to be like they used to call Pomona Compton because it was an all black city, and yeah. it was yeah. this is this is where I was born in Pomona, and so we would be out there. And my mom's best friend's husband was from um, South Central, so we used to always go to South Central as like a as a kid. I remember going, and I remember like my mom and them like hanging out all the time and. It was just like I had like I remember like I wanted to like get the Janet Jackson poetic justice braids as like a baby. <laughs> I got that like in elementary school back in the nineties, and yeah, it definitely influenced me. And then when I got a little bit older, um, you know, like elementary, junior high, high school, I would always catch the bus from like Long Beach to L.A. A lot of my friends that ran mm-hmm. track, a lot of my friends that ran track lived in L.A. You know, a lot of them. A lot of the kids, they they went to school in Long Beach or Orange County, but a lot of them live like in Inglewood in L.A. So I would take the train, yeah. come out there and hang out with them. And we would hang out and I'd go back home. And then when I got to college and I moved and I moved to SC at 18, I really, you know, caught like more influence because I was living in South Central. And yeah, because yeah. USC is right there. Yeah, yeah. I stayed uh, my first uh, year, two years, I stayed in the campus housing, like right on Jefferson and McClintock and right up the street. And then my second and no, my third and fourth year, I stayed on Butt Long and 36, Catalina, like all right mm. in that area. So, and yeah, so it was definitely an influence for sure. Like it was a huge influence, a huge influence. I ended up meeting Nipsey in 2006. Yeah. Like, up there like wow. yeah ex- exactly and this is like we were all young back then so it was really cool like it was super cool yeah how did you feel you know with that whole situation with Nipsey when you know you know I feel like Los Angeles is like been going through so much with Kobe oh. and Nipsey and it's like I, it's like crazy yeah you know? when I when I I remember when it happened I was at home and I seen it on Instagram, but I seen it. One of my friends who's actually I'm friends with his bodyguard as well, J Rock. Um Yeah, you're J Rock. Yeah, yeah, because um that's Richard Sherman's cousin and me and Richard grew up together. You know, he ran Richard Sherman mm. ran track and played football. So we all kind of knew each other. So it was crazy when everything happened because I seen it on I seen stuff on people's pages before it hit like the actual media News. so i really yeah, started okay. in the panic mode i got nervous i was like oh my god that's crazy like, I, I was in shock 
And this is before like they announced that he had actually passed. So I was just like hitting people up like, yo, is this true? Is this a rumor? Is this real? Like I couldn't believe it. And then when it came out that he passed, I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. It was so, it was a lot. The next day, I remember the next day, uh, me and my mom and one of my friends, we went down to the marathon store for the candlelight visual. And Uh we were there and the emotions were just like running really high. And um, that's when that that, uh, stampede had happened too. The the next day after we were there that night. Yeah. Yeah. We were all in the mix of it, but it was just like I wanted to be at the store just because like that's where he always would be at. So I just felt like yeah. I had to go after like everything happened the next day because I don't know. I just felt really like I don't know. It felt like it was just hard, you know, especially, you know, he was the same. We were the same age and I met him way back in the day and it was just like I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. It was just crazy. It was, it was. It was. Yeah. And then Kobe. It- Kobe, oh my God, that and I, I've I've been blessed to meet like these legends. Like seriously, I met. Yeah. I was blessed to meet Nipsey back in the day. I was blessed. I met Kobe in two thousand eight at the Olympics. I remember. Oh wow. Yeah, I remember at the Olympic Games. I was walking down from the cafe, and it was me and a couple of teammates, and it was him and Dwayne Wade, and they were like, we had our Puerto Rican hoodies on, and they were like, Puerto Rico, ho, <laughs> and we we're like, hey, oh my God. Kobe Bryant, we were all like excited and stuff, and we started talking about everything. We were just all having like you know small conversation because the village is so open. All the athletes, you could just walk up to each other and have a conversation, you know, because it's all athletes. Yeah. And so we we're talking at the time. I was in, I was dating an NBA player at the time, and I had said like, "Hey, you know, I'm engaged. I'm dating so and so," and he was like, "Oh, I know him. This is Kobe. I know him." And blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And it was so crazy. Like me and my um dude at the time, um. Can I say his name, or I'm just like I don't know if I should say his name. Or not. I don't care. No, whatever you okay, want. Well, okay. Well, I was at the time I was dating Nick Young. We were college sweethearts, and so I went back and okay. told Nick like, "Hey, I met Kobe at the Olympics. Oh my god, blah blah." So it was funny. Like the next uh, at the next game, like at the games from then on, I would see him when they would play against each other. He would always speak and always say hi and always so nice and yeah, like when he and then I seen him again in 2012 at the Olympics and. We, you know, we spoke and he's all, he always spoke and was always really, really nice, no matter what. So when he died, I was just like, the next year after, I was like, right after Nipsey, I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. So. It is. It is. It's like crazy, like how this time period of life, like, you know, um, with this whole COVID situation, with, you know, the the, the politics stuff. Yes, it was first Nipsey in 2019. (laughs) Then Kobe at the beginning of 2020. Then li- I literally was watching the news when they announced Kobe passing away and they were talking about the first COVID test in the United States yeah. and then breaking news, Kobe passes away. And then like, it was, I went, I remember I went to the first game that the Lakers played in for, um, for LeBron, like the first game that they played in. And I remember we were all there and for the Memorial and it was like, this is when Kobe was still, I guess, at the beginning of COVID. And yeah, COVID, yeah. immediately COVID like jumped in. It was almost hard for me to even mourn after that because I was still really upset about about Kobe. And it was just like mm-hmm. crazy, you know? It was upsetting. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was, it was, and me, you know, personally, I had COVID last year. So it's like, it's crazy to see how, you know, just this has changed the, right. changed the world. Think, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I feel ahead. like, no, I feel like it's going to change you know, let's just, you know, who's to say what's going to happen in the future? But I think that 
it's definitely going to change how we move as a society. Absolutely. I, I think I honestly had it like in December of this year. I think I had it. I didn't go get tested just because I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I don't really believe in like synthetic medicine and going to the doc. Like I'm really, I'm more of a holistic, yeah, homeopathic type of thing. But I mm-hmm. looked at my symptoms and it, they all lined up. I had every symptom minus the fever. I had everything minus the fever. But you couldn't smell or I taste? I lost my sense of smell. I lost my sense of taste. Oh, then you probably had it. I, it hit, but yeah. I think I might have had like the, the danger strand because it hit me really hard. Like really. really How was, long were you sick? For the whole two weeks. The whole two weeks I was sick. 14 days. And I lost about 17 pounds during that time. Whoa. Yeah, I lost Whoa. a lot of weight. I like I couldn't have a, I didn't have an appetite. I was really really tired. I had like all these other symptoms like nasal burn and dry mouth. It was just crazy. And I mm. felt like and I had a cough and even a couple at some couple points I had like breathing problems. And I said if it got you know I said you know if it gets worse I'm gonna have to go to the hospital. But I used my mm-hmm. sister's inhaler and um. I was fine. You know, I was, I had a lot of, um, I was getting cramps all over my body because I was dehydrated. And so I drank a lot of Pedialyte. So all the symptoms that I, that I were getting, that I was getting, it, it, it didn't really freak me out because it's like, okay, I get dehydrated when I run. So I just drink Pedialyte. <laughs> so I was just kind of yeah. doing the stuff that I normally did, but just, I did it more so, you know, I took a lot of ginger, I took Mucinex, mm-hmm. I took, and I was fine after that. So, but it was definitely... It was a struggle. I wouldn't want to catch it again. That's for sure. <laughs> no, and I and it was so crazy. Is you definitely you know just if I use my educated guess, you definitely yeah. Um, and it's crazy because you know for me, I was sick like that more probably three to five days, yeah. and then I went through my whole natural remedies and all that different stuff yeah. too. So we'll just have to see where how everything goes. So I wanted to transition into, you know, your music, you know, um, tell me a little bit about, you know, your music, how long you've been making music and kind of what are your goals for music? So as for music, I've been doing music my whole life. People don't know, people who know me, they know. If you know, it's like, if you know, you know. (laughs) Um, My friends, like I said, from junior high, uh, you know, I used to always like, we'd be walking home from school and I would just like, somebody would start beatboxing. I would start, freestyling you know or I'll freestyle against like some mm. of the other kids at school when I would write stuff and write music and record myself on um tapes back in the day you know like side a side b like I would do all that type of stuff and it's wow. yeah it's a trip like now that I'm making like music you know professionally um some of my friends from junior high on Instagram they'll put comments like but if people only knew you back in junior high you were doing this way back then like <laughs> The, like like I said, like the people who knew knew, but um, I did it, and then I remember my mom finding one of my one of my books and was like, "What the hell is all this? All this profanity? All this crazy stuff you saying? Like, uh-uh, you better focus on you better focus on school, you know." So that had that, so that kind of like made me like, okay, you know what? Let me just not let me not do that. So, yeah. I, but I had a love for music to the point where. Even though I couldn't, like, you know, I felt like if I tried to rap or write music, my mom would find it. As a kid, I was living with my mom, and she wasn't having that in her house. So I decided to get into music. I started playing the clarinet in junior high. I picked up clarinet, mm-hmm. elementary, junior high. I played all through high school. I played in jazz band, symphonic band, marching band in high school. And then mm-hmm. 
uh, when I got to USC, I took piano class for all four years as well. I just love music in general. And then in 2011, I put out a little freestyle to Lil Wayne Six Foot Seven Foot. And it got a little uh-huh. bit of a buzz. And I started, you know, from then I started kind of working on music, but then I ended up running into a producer. Um, his name, I don't want to say his name actually, but a, produ- <laughs> a producer from the East Coast. He's a well-known producer as well. He ended up being kind of funny, um, just weird, just yeah. weird shit happened. Like try- he tried some weird shit. Yeah. And I was just like, nah. So that kind of turned me, yeah, that turned me off from music in 2011. So I focused back on track and I ended up making my second Olympic team in 2012 right after that. And then, um, but well, once again, the music, I, I wanted to do music. So I got back into music at the end of 2015, beginning of 2016. And from then on, I've just been recording professionally. So for about five years. Mm-hmm. That's Thank good. You. That's good. And I think that, you know, I've heard, you know, your new single um, that Thank came you. out. Um, and, and I definitely loved you know, the style of how you rap, you know, it's refreshing to hear, you know, someone really rapping, you know, not that, <laughs> you know, jams and stuff all aren't cool, but, you know, it's like, yeah, and I want to hear someone really speak, you know, the essence of what right. hip hop is. Right. You know, so, and I... so I think that. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Hmm? No, so I think that, you know, you have a bright future in it. Obviously, you know, you have a lot of relationships. People are knowing who you are. So I think there's, you know, with consistency, you know, just like everything else you've done, I think I'm sure you'll definitely carve your own lane. Thank success, you. I appreciate sure. it. <laughs> <laughs> facts, facts, facts. So um, last question. I wanted to ask you, you know, um, who are your top five, you know, music rappers from Los Angeles? OK, I will say. Top five will be Nipsey, Tupac. For sure. Mm-hmm. Those two for sure. Um, hmm. Now this is where it gets tricky. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I like Sugar Free. Shout out to Sugar Free. P-Town Pomona. Oh, That's okay. P-Town yeah. Pomona. Um, oh, man. So number okay. three. Let's see. Uh, Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Ice yes. Cube. Snoop and Dr. Dre. Yeah. Nice. Okay, that's a <laughs> solid. That's a solid, solid yeah. list. You know, it's I, it's so crazy because, like, you know, that's like all the music that I grew up. Right. On, you know, so it's like, dang, man, it's like, you know, we're, uh, it's, you know, I talk to some people now in their younger twenty. I'm uh-huh. twenty nine, but talk to people in their younger twenties. They're like, oh, I like what. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, uh-uh. I'm like, that's your top five list. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, you yeah, know, but uh, oh, oh, also, also, before I leave, I wanted you to, you know, promote anything that you want to promote. Plugs. Also, you know, um, what advice do you have to aspiring artists okay, out so there? Okay, so for promotion, I would like to promote obviously my single. Uh, I dropped it February first, mm-hmm. which is you know I dropped it on February first because that's the beginning of Black History Month. Um, so um, definitely go get my single real shit though streaming on all platforms also if you if you like the song you like to download it go to my website mm-hmm. um, com or xtrackstar versus trackstar.com where I have the single there you download it and 
um, it's only a dollar. And instead of giving, you know, a dollar to iTunes and the artist only gets a portion of it, you'll I'll get the right. full amount. And being an independent artist, I think that's really important because, you know, we invest all of our own money and, and whatever we mm -hmm. put is what we get out of it. So I definitely want to put that out there. Also, I have my clothing line, um, X Track Star versus Track Star yep. clothing as well. Um, I have new drops coming out really soon. Website, you can go to xtrackstar.com or you can go to xtrackstar.com. I have hoodies, t shirts, um, crop tops, everything. And I'm dropping a really cool drop soon. This month, when I drop the video, I'm gonna have a new drop with clothing as well for the real shit though video. Yes. And then my hey. Instagram, I am C Rod <laughs> on Instagram, Twitter, uh, I am C Rod as well. Yeah. Oh, man. And then That's any advice, I'm excited. Uh, any advice I'm excited. I would say, I forgot, any advice to any inspiring artist, um, I would just say, make sure that you believe in yourself. And like, I know it sounds cliche, but really believe in yourself because there's going to be moments when there's going to be people trying to tell you that you can't do it. And there's going to be moments even, you know, once you get past that, you're going to have doors slammed in your face by managers, labels, producers, whomever. And you just have to really believe in your craft and be your biggest fan and promote your music, promote your content as hard as possible. Because at the end of the day, it's about being consistent. And there's always a lane for every artist. Even if some people don't like your music, don't take offense to it because there's billions mm -hmm. of people in the world and you can always create your own lane, whether you have 10 million people there, you might, there's might be 10 million people who like your music and, you know, and 2 million that don't, but you still will have, your own audience and your own niche market. So that's what it's about, just staying on it and staying focused. <laughs> oh, yeah. I always tell people, I tell artists all the time sometimes, I'm like, look, if you can find, if you if you build a fan base right. of even 50,000, and those 50,000, if those 50,000 people spend $5 right. with you a year, you know what I'm saying? You're you're kind of you know that's exactly. multiply five times fifty. You know what I mean? Like you fifty thousand, you could potentially make money. You know, sometimes people always think that right. I need to be like Drake right. or I need to you know be Lil Wayne level. It's like nah, you know. I mean that can if that happens, right. I'm hey, I'm with it. That's great. But you know, I always tell artists sometimes too. I'm like, yo, what if you made you know forty five, fifty thousand dollars a month from your music? Yeah, Would you consider yourself successful? Absolutely. Right. It's so it's all for perspective. Thing. And, so, and I feel no. like the independent, I feel like, you know, in the music industry, a lot of artists don't really see the independent grind. You know, like a lot of artists see like your top, you know, your your big labels. You see the the, mm -hmm. the Cardi B's and the Drake's and you see all your artists who are already signed to these major labels versus seeing the independent game like a Nipsey yeah. was that, you know. You got other artists like Zero out in Houston mm -hmm. who's been independent his entire career. I was able to, I was, yeah, I was blessed to be yeah. on his last, yeah. his album he dropped in 2018 and being around him and seeing how he moved, he helped oh, me man. mentor, he mentored me as well. And just seeing how the independent game, you know, works, it, there really is a lot to it that can really be beneficial and actually um, kind of push artists more versus feeling so self, feeling so self defeated, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I agree. I agree. Well, Carol, um, I really appreciate your time. I think that this was, you know, one of yes. my favorite interviews for <laughs> sure. Uh, I learned a lot from you and I think that you have a lot of great Thank things you. coming in the future it. for sure.
Okay. Definitely, definitely. Right, Stay in sorry. touch. Olive.